hands on deck, Miss Garvey made it, cause we're going to set sail. Poise the colours, man the cannons, cause it's time to plunder and kill. Yar, har, we're a pirate, we go wherever we please. While in combat we are awesome, we're in all the seven seas. Ho, 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 and a box of love from. Wave your hands goodbye to the landlubber scum. Yo, ho, ho, and a box of love from. Wave your hands goodbye to the landlubber scum. Pirates we are born, pirates we still be. We live on our ship, out on the sea. We rape and plunder every war, no gets in our way. That's what happens in an average pirate day. Hey, broadcasters! Welcome back to the Buck Bros Podcast. Um, sorry we missed you guys last week. Obviously, Hurricane Ian was bearing down on the state of Florida, so the Buck Bros were keeping safe and sheltering uh, during last week. But we're back. At least two of us are back here. I'm with Buck Bro John, uh, Ryan, and Zach are currently vacationing in Boston. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> Welcome back, John. How you doing, buddy? Not bad, man. Not bad. I'm glad everybody in Florida is, is safe. And, and, you know, I'm hoping that things get cleared up down there uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. But, you know, I think for the most part, we're, we're doing well and good. I know the state of Florida is uh, still recovering and it's a strong state. We'll come back stronger than ever. And, you know, staying on that topic, uh, you know, I'm hoping the Bucks can kind of rebound from these last two weeks. Um, two kind of tough losses, one a little bit tougher than the other. Uh, but let's try, let's dive into it. Um, Green Bay game. What are your thoughts, man? I felt better about the Green Bay game. The, the second time I went through and watched it, we, we looked better. I think than the, the scoreboard showed, it was just one of those games where it was a hard fought game. We, we did our best, but we just got outplayed. And I think the lack of having weapons is what exposed us. Um, it, it was just a, one of those times you've got no Mike Evans, you've got no Chris Godwin, you've got no Julio Jones. And, and who do you really have? Um, you know, Russell Gage played very well. Uh, he, he definitely stepped up. Um, but, but outside of that, there, there really wasn't much. And I think when, when, when you're looking at 12 carries, you know, maybe 13 carries total for, for rushing, you're, it looks like you're playing from behind the majority of the game. And, and we were, and it just was unfortunate. We brought it back close, as does Brady typically. Uh, he did that in the Chiefs game, too. He, he always tries to rally home, and it just wasn't there for us. And it, it, it was a tough loss, but looking back at it, I don't think it's one that's indicative of anything long term. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with your assessment. I think the, you know, takeaway I got from that game is the lack of, you know, offensive production outside of our top receivers, right? Um, you know, Russell Gage did look good outside of a fumble, but other than him, he was really the only option we had. And then the other thing that was kind of striking is the, and this also goes along with the Chiefs game, is the uh, lack of our ability to run the ball. It's really made us one-dimensional, and uh, it's kept us off balance, and I kind of talked about this on the last episode where I wanted to see a little bit more creativity from Leftwich in the offense. And I still am kind of looking for some creativity or unpredictability in their offense. It's almost like every time we start this, you know, our offense with the game, we're committed to running the ball and every team knows it and we're not able to pick up those yards you need. 
to make it a second and you know medium or a third and short and it's putting us in these you know third and long situations that we're just not converting often enough which is really what happened with the green bay game reason why we probably lost that game outside of you know some mental errors not being able to snap the ball on time being one of them um not like tom brady to do that but you know the green bay game was one i felt like if we had our playmakers we would have won that game um yeah just that was a tough loss but you know if we were to see them back in the playoffs I would like our chances, given that we have a full stable of our receiver, like with Evans back, um, Godwin, maybe Julio. I know Julio's still hurt, but still, that was one game where I'm like, yeah, to your point, I don't think it's indicative of where we're going this season. I saw it more as kind of a game where you're not fully healthy, and unfortunately, that cost us. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I thought we outperformed the Packers uh, from, from a stand from, from, you know, we just, we had more first downs. We, we had, you know, we had similar amount of yardage. We, we actually had more yards for play. It was, we, we looked better. Um, we just, we couldn't get enough things done. We, it, we were beating ourselves. And that to me comes down to coaching. Um, and we, we weren't able to make enough adjustments to come out in the second half and really get anything done um that's a team we should have beat at home and, and we didn't and being winless at home is, is the thing that hurts most about being two and two right now if we were two and two in any other scenario I, I wouldn't mind it as much but getting beat at home twice is, is just kind of embarrassing to me because now it looks like we've got two weak wins against weak teams and when we played any kind of playoff caliber team we got embarrassed and uh that this Packers win, you could have compartmentalized it if we'd have played better last week against the Chiefs, but we continue to play worse. Yeah, good point. Like, home field advantage should be something, and it's unfortunate that here we are. I think I even predicted we would go two and two to start the season. I did not think we would lose two at home and win the two on the road. Uh, and to your point, I mean, I don't know. It's still too early to kind of tell – what teams will be good and which are not. I mean, the Cowboys are sitting at three and one now with a backup quarterback since we played them. But I would agree that Green Bay and Kansas City are elite teams in terms of those are championship caliber teams. And we didn't, I mean, I will say with Green Bay, the defense outside of the first quarter played very well. But that Chiefs game was just awful <laughs> on all really on the defensive side of the ball and just from a lack of production or lack of even just, you know, sound football. Um, the opening kickoff fumbled. You immediately give up a touchdown. Uh, I think Green, I think Kansas City converted like 10 of 13 third downs, something ridiculous like that. 12 of 17. 12 of 17. Okay, so that's still, what, a 75 76%. Uh, and we and we let and, and we left Travis Kelsey open every single time, like we didn't know who they were going to go to, you know. And we, you put a spy on Patrick Mahomes, and he and he doesn't make the tackle. What what's the point? You know what I mean? Stay back in coverage if you're going to chase that. He's a generational talent. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best players, regardless of position, in the NFL right now. Uh, whether or not how I actually feel about him, uh, I can't stand him. Uh, 
but it's just ridiculous to me that you know he's that good and you let him embarrass you like that to the the scrambles and the the shuttle passes and the jumping up and just chucking the ball in for touchdowns you do that to yourself as a defense you allow a player to beat you like that like he's beating you in the backyard or like on the schoolyard playing football you allow that to happen when you're a defense and our defense is supposed to be the highlight of this team this year that that's really what we've been talking about through the first few weeks was how dominant our defense was and and they just didn't show up I mean they got three sacks but what good is that um, and, and there were yeah, some but, aspects where we beat ourselves. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Sorry. No, to your point, like with those sacks, like they were kind of, I, you know, those sacks were few and far between. And really, I think the biggest issue I saw was that we couldn't stop the run. Like that should be a staple of a Todd Bowles defense is you are stout against the run. You do not. I mean, we have been in what the top five, top 10 run defense since he's been our coordinator. And here we are allowing 189 yards rushing to Clyde Edward-Hilaire and uh, Pacheco. I, you know, that guy's, you know, they're not, it's not Barry Sanders out there. <laughs> like, right. You, you know, we should be able to stop the run against those running backs, but they were picking up six, seven, eight yards every time they, they touched the ball. And when they're there, you know, when you're playing Mahomes and it's third and two and third and three, third and one, yeah, he's going to convert those more often than not. There's just too much to defend. So it was, I, I believe that, you know, for this defense to get back on course to what it was prior to the Kansas City game, they're going to have to focus on stopping the run. And that will allow, you know, when they're in those second and long, third and long situations for that pass rush to really become more effective, just like it was in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs where they weren't able to run the ball and we got after Mahomes. You know, and it, and it made it really hard to watch Jason Pierre-Paul with the Ravens and hearing his name called almost every down. He he was getting after the quarterback. He, he was stuffing the run. He just looked good. And knowing that we could have brought him back, like we let him walk. That wasn't a guy we even attempted to negotiate with. And and then seeing your your defense get run all over, uh, that that's upsetting. And, and Akeem Hicks, Hopefully is going to be back. I believe he went on the the four game IR. He should be back here shortly. But I, I I've got to expect that there there's got to be better players there. And you know we let Joe Tryon take that position, you know from JPP, and that's why we let him walk. I I want to see more from him. You know what I mean? I want to see more from these guys. I want to see more from Vita Vea. And I can't believe I'm saying that because you, you know he's such a he's such a talent. But I want to see more from these guys. And you know I, I heard a lot of former Bucks from the Super Bowl era that we just won. I heard their names called this weekend and they're doing well elsewhere. So the guys we kept, our front office said we're better. So I want to see them perform like they are better than these guys we let walk away. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I will say again, hopefully this is an aberration on the season, right? At least when we're talking about the defense versus Kansas City that, you know, for the first three games are, you know, number one defense, number one scoring defense in, in the league. And then Kansas City comes and just kind of <laughs> obliterates that in one night. But I, I think they will get back to being an elite defense like they were the first three games. It's really, again, the other thing I kind of want to see is can we can we get off to a fast start? It seems like every game we're playing behind the um, you know, behind the downs, right? Like like or we're just playing behind in general, I think. 
even in the Cowboys game, even though it was just three nothing, right? Like we allowed three points on the opening drive. Same with the uh, Saints. Green Bay got out to a 14 point lead. And then we know what happened with Kansas City. Can the defense dominate from snap number one to the last snap of the game? That's what I want to see. I think they're capable of it, but they've got to communicate better between the, you know, all 11 of them um, if they want to do that going forward. And I feel bad bagging on the defense. When a defense gives up 24 points through the first three games of the season, they're playing really well. So these two games, they just, they don't look right to me. Like one or the other, the Packers game or the Chiefs game, if you look at them individually, they're, they're not as bad as they look. The Bucs still put up 31 points. Brady still threw for three touchdowns with 345 yards. Like they, they were still good games. You know, he didn't throw any picks. He didn't throw any picks, picks against the Packers. Um, you just, you want to see more well-rounded football. And it brings me back to a point I made earlier in the season on an earlier episode, which is I don't, and I, and I think it was to your point about whether or not we're going to see more creativity. I, I think it's one of those situations where Todd Bowles, especially on defense, holds back early in the season when we know it's a team we are event we may eventually face in the playoffs. So if, if we make it to the playoffs, we know the Packers are most likely going to make it in the playoffs. We're going to face this team. I think we hold back. And I, and I think that's just something that we do, whether or not it's valid, that's a valid plan. I still think it's something that we do. And I think we hold ourselves back for whatever reason. Um, it just seems to be something that we've done the past few seasons. Yeah. I, I take the silver lining in this Kansas city chiefs game as we can now see what the offense looks like when you have all your playmakers, right? Uh, Evans put up a monster game. Godwin came back and looked pretty serviceable. Even though the running game was in existence, to your point, Tom Brady threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. They put up 31 points. So (laughs) it would have been nice if we could get the defense from the Packers game and the offense from the Chiefs game and have that the rest of the season. We'll win pretty much every game we play. So if they can put it together, hey, this team is, again, one of the elite teams in the league. So I think, you know, we've got 13 games left on the schedule. They'll, they'll figure it out. As long as we can stay healthy, I think we'll figure it out. Absolutely. And three rushing attempts is pathetic. I, I don't care what the score <laughs> it is. Was the lowest, yeah, it was the lowest total in Buccaneers history. I'll say that again. The lowest total in Buccaneers history. This is a team that went winless in 1976. Didn't win a damn game for the first 26 games of their existence. And they ran for three, you know, more than three yards in a game. Good grief. Now, I get it that, you know, the game kind of dictated that we get away from the run game, right? When you're down 21-3, you got to score. You got to start scoring quickly. Um, And the offense did open up when we stopped running the ball. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to have way better – balance and performance from our running backs going forward of the of the lowest rush totals like of the top of the top 10 of the lowest runs per game half of them are by tom brady led teams there's just something about being tom brady you you get these weird games where you just have these obscure low rush totals and it's just it's just wild to me and you know, this is a more intimate episode of, of the Bucks Bros podcast because it's just the two of us. 
You know, we're here. We're, we're, Just we're the two of us. Exactly. We we're, can we're, make the podcast work. And if we try, just the two of us, I, I, I want to get into something that I think is, is really important, especially with, with some of the news that's come out in the past few weeks. Let's do it. You know, Tom Brady is the leader of, of this team as a whole, and he has been since he get, got here. And this team goes as Tom Brady goes. And, you know, he's, we're, we're here and he's dealing with a little bit of a rotator cuff injury. And, and I want to, and I want to, I want to talk to Tom if he's listening and, and you know, and I know he's not, but, but if he was Tom, I know some, some rumors are coming out and, and some things are being said. And you, you recently lost someone from your life who, who was very important to you. And he was there with you for years, meant a lot to you. And he's not here now. And I need you to pick up the phone and call Rob Gronkowski. Call that man, okay? Call him. <laughs> if there's one person in the whole world who could make you whole, it's Gronk, okay? At the end of the day, who would you rather have by your side? Giselle, who looks like a horse? Or Rob Gronkowski, the man who once held the world record for the highest catch of a football dropped from a helicopter. That's the kind of person you need in your life. And someone who wants you on the field, not wants you back home, someone who wants you winning more rings. That's the person you need in your life. And I need, I need to see the two of them back together. I think over the next two to three weeks, Tom needs to do everything in his power to bring Gronk back into his life. I think he needs someone now more than ever. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Like we, this team is missing Gronk and Tom is missing Gronk. You know, I'm missing those episodes of them sitting by a kiddie pool talking, you know, jokes and answering fan mail. You know, I think we all miss that. And I think Tommy misses it too. You know, there's a lot going on in his life. Like you said, he's 45. There's a lot of shit going on in his life. And Gronk just makes things better. You know, he's just, He's going to make the team better. He's going to make Tom happier. It's a call that if Tom hasn't made already, which I'm sure he has, he better be calling Gronk every day. And my guess is maybe, you know, Gronk sitting there and with his wife and, you know, doing whatever he's doing now, watching football on TV. I think he misses believe, it a little bit. I don't too. believe he's married. I thought he was married. I'm not positive on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's married. But you know, I look around the league, and in every in every team that's vying for a playoff position, all these quarterbacks, all these great quarterbacks, they all have that one guy. You know, with Mahomes, it was Kelsey. We saw it. You know, with the Rams, it's Cooper Cup. You know, what I mean, every, they always have that one guy. He's gonna get open. He's gonna be there for your quarterback. We don't have that guy right now. We've got good players, Evans. but we don't have that guy. I'd say Evans. Evans is he's not wrong to Brady, right? Not only anyone's going to replace Gronk when it comes to the Brady and Gronk connection, but Evans and Brady have definitely made a connection. I mean, that's why he went to Evans so much in this Kansas City Chiefs game is that he trusts Evans more than anybody else on the receiving core currently. The Gronk-Brady relationship is the greatest relationship in Brady's life. No doubt. Great, hands down. So it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, I I just I need to see it. 
I need to see that come back. That that would be the moment for me. You know what I mean? And uh, I, it's like when the it's like in the Mighty Ducks when they got the second Bash brother comes in. You know, in between periods, <laughs> yes. and they they put him on scholarship, and he comes in. They're like, yeah. And they go out there and they put that guy through the plexiglass. That's that's what it would be like getting Brady back, or you know, Gronk back halfway through the season. And, that, and that's just maybe, what I want to see. <laughs> maybe they'll convince Gronk to come back after they fly back from Germany. It'll be the same thing, you know. Gronk spike in the locker room before the game, and then he'll just go out there and you know, six six receptions, eighty yards, two tutties, and we'll be back to being. You know, Tom will back be back to being happy. Team will be back to having a great tight end. And if, and if it's not a missing piece, if we're not missing a piece, if we're not missing Gronk, if we're not missing JPP, if we're not missing Alex Kappa, if it's not a missing piece, I do think the person that needs to go and go tomorrow morning is Cole Beasley. Okay, we're we're 0-2 since Cole showed up. Uh, he he's contributed absolutely nothing to the team, and uh, I would like to see him go away. He could just go away, and uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me whatsoever. Um, yeah, he's at, he's contributed. I'm sure, nothing. he's contributed to the declining percentage of unvaccinated or vaccinated players. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. He also raised the average age of the team even higher, uh, which was hard to do as the <laughs> oldest team in the league. But he's had he's had four he's had four targets since he's been here. What what was the point of even bringing him in? We could have targeted anybody. Because um, I think we were desperate in week three. I mean, obviously, he's a desperate signing. Um, and Scotty just unfortunately, I don't know what happened after that Green Bay game in 2020, but he is no longer an option. So it's unfortunate. But, and I think you brought this up. Maybe, you know, if we had kept Ty Joe over Scotty, we wouldn't be in this predicament. But here we are. One can dream. But what we do know is that. Week five is coming up. We have our third straight home game, and in come the co-first place NFC South team, the Atlanta Falcons. That's crazy, right? <laughs> two and two. This is this is for the the lead in the NFC South. I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth, but they are, and this is true. So the Atlanta Falcons come into town. What are your thoughts, John? What do you think the keys to the game are in? What? How do you see this one turn now? I just saw today that I believe Cordero Patterson has gone on the IR. Um, he is on the IR. Unfortunately, for both of my fantasy teams, uh, I have had to find a replacement uh, for him, at least for the next four. For, uh, four. I would like to remind you that it is bad juju to ever take a divisional opponent's players in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> that's why I skipped Alvin Kamara and took Nick Chubb. Yeah, there's a lot going on, but you you don't do it. Even okay, he was up. like a 12th round pickup, right? He's sitting there in the 12th round, and he's put up like 20 points in three, like twice in three weeks. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that was a pretty good pickup. Just, just you know, that's all I'm saying. I think I think this is gonna be a good game uh, for the Bucks. I I think this is one where we need to we need to get our head on straight. It's not a primetime game. It's not an afternoon game. It's a regular one o'clock kickoff. I think we need to get out there. I think we need to put it on the Falcons, beat them handedly. I want to see good play from Julio, from Godwin, from Evans. I want to keep it simple. I want to run the ball, maybe get a couple of sacks, and I want to get out of there without too much fanfare. 
I, I want this to be a game we can gloss over, but I want it to be one where we can get get our heads on straight. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think it will be a game that we get our head on straight. Atlanta, you know, although they've been a very good rushing team this season so far, I think they're fourth in the league, averaging over 160 yards a game. To your point, one, Cordero Patterson is on the IR. He won't be playing. Uh, two, I just – I have no faith in Marcus Mariota being a legitimate quarterback. And then three, um, they're still bad on defense. So I think this is one where you will see the Bucks defense probably pissed off from the performance against Kansas City, come out aggressive, uh, going to focus on stopping the run. I think they will be successful enough at stopping the run to get after Mariota, force him into, you know, having to throw the ball. And he will, you know, when he's forced to throw the ball, he will make mistakes. And I think we will capitalize that, capitalize on those mistakes. On the flip side, on the offensive side of the ball, I think you'll see better production out of a running game. Can't be any worse than it was against Kansas City. And I think you'll see us opening up with some, you know, the passing attack again. I see Brady having a good day. I see Evans having a good day. Overall, I mean, since Brady has been our quarterback, we are undefeated against Atlanta. I don't see that trend stopping now. I think this will be a game we get back on track, take the lead in the division, and never relinquish it again. Name three receivers for the Atlanta Falcons besides Kyle Pitts. Drake London, which is a first-round pick. Okay. Uh, and that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my point. Uh, yeah, it's just – if this isn't a team we can beat, we we don't deserve it. And so uh, this is a, this is a team we need to beat. We need to stay undefeated in the division. This is a game we should absolutely win. Marcus Mariota is not a good quarterback. He's just not. And he he made he let Jacoby Brissett make him look bad last week. I wanna I wanna believe that we can win this game, and, and I truly believe that we can win this game and stay healthy. That's really important to me. I think we work all of our receivers back in and get everybody some reps. Um, I, I would like to see what this receiving core looks like healthy. Because we've seen what Russell Gage can do, and I think he's he's a great outlet playing behind Godwin, Evans, and Julio. I think those four guys can be dynamic. Um, but I ha we haven't had a chance to see it yet this season, and I, and I would like to. And this is, I think, a game where we could really – where we could really run that up and, and get Brady some confidence because he has looked very upset the past few weeks. Um, he's looked a little frustrated with uh, his offensive line, with his receivers, everybody not being on the same page. And this is a golden opportunity for us to, to really put that, put all those pieces together and see what it comes out as. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'd be nice to see a full complement of healthy star players play against a team we know and should beat. Um, I think that will help Tom Brady's confidence if he can start to build. Um, you know, like we said, he has a rapport with Mike, some of a rapport with Godwin, but to continue to build a rapport with Gage, uh, obviously Julio Jones. I don't really know Julio's status. It's you not know, sprained PCL. That's always a tricky injury. I don't know if we necessarily need him against the Falcons, but it'd be nice if he could play. Um, but to your point about the offensive line, yeah, they need to step up and play better. This should be a team that they can do that against. And, you know, it also, again, starts with, you know, I think 
I'd like to see a little bit more play from Rashad White, even though he dropped, you know, he was the guy who fumbled the ball in the opening kickoff. I think he allows, he, he provides a different dynamic as a pass option out of the backfield than Leonard Fournette does. He's a little bit quicker. He's obviously faster. Um, if they can get that running game going with Rashad White, along with Lenny Fournette, and then continue to develop, you know, the passing game. Uh, you know, I think this offense can do basically whatever it wants, and we can get that ball rolling as we kind of continue into the season. We've got, you know, two, I think you brought it up, we have the, you know, easiest strength of schedule left. So these should be teams, you know, at least the next three games that we beat. So we're not really going to see another elite team until the Ravens Thursday night in a few weeks. So, yeah, I, I really want to see this as a game of, oh, hey, you know, we've gone through that kind of gauntlet of the first four games. We're sitting here, you know, tied, this is tied for the division lead. Here comes in the, you know, division opponent. Let's just put the nail in the coffin right now. This is our division. We're going to beat the shit out of you. And then we're just going to run through the rest of this schedule. I, I, I have, yeah, no, it, it, I absolutely agree. It's got to be. We have to use these next three games as a setup to what are the two most important games for the remainder of the season, which is back-to-back Ravens and Rams. Uh, outside of that, uh, the only team that I'm really worried about facing would be the 49ers, who look like a completely different team now that they got Jimmy Guapolo back. And I don't know how we're going to handle that later. But as of right now, I mean, these next three games, I think we we need to get into a rhythm and then – we can look ahead to that Thursday night game against the Ravens as something that may be fun to watch. Cause as of right now, I am nervous about another primetime game. <laughs> you and me both, man. I I'm with you. I like the one o'clock home games, you know, keep you on schedule. That's, that's where we are used to. That's our, that's our bread and butter one o'clock non primetime games. So it'd be nice to kind of get back into a few one o'clock games um, consistently, at least for the next three weeks. So with that in mind, as we're playing Atlanta and we're hoping the offense can get back on track, who do you see as your fantasy player of the game? Against the Falcons? Yeah, against the Falcons. I want Mr. Chris Godwin. I think Godwin is going to come back from injury. I think he's looking for a game to, to, to stretch his legs, for lack of a better word. I think he's going to look good. And I think this will be a showcase game for him. And I I say that because I'm going up against him in fantasy, and that's what I expect. I expect to lose on the back of a buck player. (laughs) Um, But, no, I I really do. I expect Chris Godwin. I I saw flashes of it last week, and I think think going forward it's only going to get better. Good pick. Solid pick, man. I've got him on one of my fantasy teams, so I hope you are correct. The other guy I have on my fantasy team is number 12 himself. Tom Brady, he is my fantasy player uh, for the game. I know it's an easy one, but uh, I think he showed a lot of um, a lot that he's still got a lot in the tank against Kansas City when he has his star receivers, and he should have most of them here in Atlanta. I think he throws the ball over the field, three tutties again, 300 yards. Uh, again, if you got him, start him. I do have him, and I do start him because I don't carry another quarterback. I let it rock zero on a bye week. Uh, I uh, actually don't have another quarterback. I have to pick somebody up, probably Cooper Rush. Um, but, yeah, no, I've got him, and I'm starting him because he's Brady, baby. you got to start him. He's a GOAT. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, Johnny boy, 
I think this concludes another great episode of the Buck Bros Podcast. want to thank all our subscribers for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. Uh, we're available on every podcast um, platform there is. Um, also, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you don't want to miss any you know, notifications for new episodes or any nice little pieces we have. Uh, I do want to send our love to the state of Florida as they're recovering from Hurricane Ian. Prayers for especially those in the Fort Myers and Naples area. Uh, we're thinking of you guys. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.